You're listening to the Going Offsides podcast. Your home for lacrosse news, stories, and everything in between. All right. We have a lot of stuff going on, surprisingly, for a end of summer weekend. So it's Labor Day weekend. We've got we got PLL semifinals out in Philly. Yeah. That'll be exciting. We got five hours, I guess, or so of lacrosse on Sunday. But before that, we've got some exciting news. So, and, and also some unfortunate news. So, MCLA announces that they're now going to admit members who have varsity teams on campus. And for those of you who aren't familiar, the old rule was pretty simple. Like, let's look at Michigan, for example. Very competitive MCLA program. The moment that they became varsity, they were ineligible to have an MCLA team. So the moment they went D1, no more MCLA team. Same thing happened, I believe, at Richmond. Obviously, same thing happened at Utah. And so those are the three most recent examples I can think of. Nick, was that because and and you know, and I'm I'm not uh, too familiar with it, but it, it was was part of the reason that their their reasoning behind that was was because you know, uh, the trickle down effect, like if they, you know, if they had some guys that played varsity that went down to the club team, it would give them an unfair advantage or, you know, the yeah. guys that might quit or guys that might get cut from the tryout process and things like that. So I think I, I talked to a former MCLA president about this the other night through text. And I said, what, how does this make you feel? And, uh, and why was this the case in the first place? And what I was told actually, which was, news to me, and I thought I knew about this, is that the MCLA basically made that rule as a favor to the varsity coaches. Mm. The varsity coaches had asked them, like, let's not have this two competitive programs on campus type thing because it puts a lot of pressure on that varsity team to perform or else the administration might say, you know what, we'll just go back to being a competitive club. Mm. So that's part of it. And yes, I think there was this idea in the MCLA that they didn't want to be a taxi program. Like, for instance, like if Michigan would have kept their club team, you could have seen guys that are maybe on the bottom half of the D1 roster trying to play on the club roster for a year or whatever it may be. And to be honest, having spoken with a couple guys, that's just not realistic. Like, I mean, yeah, there are D1 kids on club rosters already that chose not to go to a D1 school. All right. So Peter Holland out at USC. It was a D1 kid his entire career and then ended up transferring to go play D1 for a year or two. So this this happens all the time where there's kids that are a bit they have the ability. I mean, just recently, uh, a couple of years ago, Michigan had a had a D1 recruit, played midfield for a season or two, ended up playing at, at uh, USC uh, or South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Okay, There's D1 kids that transfer in and out all the time on the MCLA rosters. Absolutely. The idea was that it's just not on the same campus. Now it will be, but there are rules that you can't play on both rosters in one year. So you have to basically be on one or the other. And I don't think it'll be an issue. I think this is huge. Let's look at it from the positive side of things. We have all these MCLL teams that basically exist because they aren't allowed to be MCLA teams. Yeah. I think there are plenty of really... plenty of them will choose to stay because it, it's perfect. There's nothing wrong with it, but some of them will probably crave that virtual varsity. And you and I talked about it. if you're at any power five school, so like big 10 ACC, yep. you're going to most likely 
be Based able to up. field a very competitive MCLA team. Mm-hmm. If you are a mid-major in a lacrosse hotbed, which you're talking about, you know, now your Villanova's, your uh, give, give me a couple more, man. Like, I mean, like a Hofstra, a yeah. Fairfield, you know, I, I would say any college program that any college institution that has an enrollment of maybe 10,000 students or more, um, they're going to be able to field. A, a yeah. Really competitive like the top 40 to 50 mm-hmm. D1 teams, essentially. And then we also have the interesting thing that there are quite a few, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this public D3s that have very yeah. large. Absolutely. And very um, prominent club teams. You know, two that come right like off. Portland and Salisbury. Portland and Salisbury. And- Salisbury's won the NCLL title before. Um, you know, Towson has a really good NCLL team. Um, Navy has a great NCLL team. Not saying that, you know, those programs would go MCLA. Um, but I think you, you'll, you'll probably see a few of them do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think for them, it's – I think it might be more of a, a thing where um, – the, the, and let's just call it like it is. Sometimes some of those NCLL teams, um, they're only playing five or six games in a season. Um, you know, the, the they might show on paper that they have a large roster, but they might show up to a game with only 14 or 15 guys. Um, you know, I think some of these solid... The NCLA is a little bit more legit. Yes. I mean, it is what yes. it is at yes. this moment. The NCLL has come stride, has made strides. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and we love what you know what they've done as well but the simple fact is it's like saying d1's better than d2 like it's it's just a fact there's a lot of great things about both but it's just a fact so mcla i think is just more i guess organized more prestigious their national championship system is is pretty good with the exception of like last year's covid kind of debacle yeah and having an invite i mean it is what it is I've always viewed it kind of like the MCLA is more of a national league, whereas the NCL, NCLL was more of a regional league, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, because even um, in, in the Midwest, we had the Great Lakes Lacrosse League, which mm-hmm. was just like NCLL-type teams that didn't want to travel all the way out east. Yep. So, yeah, I, I think it's good news. I think it's I think great it's for, awesome. for lacrosse. I think it'll be really cool to see the MCLA get some possible like new blood because I feel like that's kind of really flatlined a little bit. We don't hear a lot about MCLA teams. I mean, heck, even like a school like – did Grand Canyon go D2? Grand Canyon was D2 for a little while, and now they and then are they the went MC- back to, they're, they're yeah, the they went MCLA. back to club. Okay. Um, no, they started out as a D2, mm-hmm. and then they went MCLA. And okay. Coach Rapkin's done a really good job there since they've gone MCLA. Um, you know, well, let's hope basically... that that isn't a trend because that would worry me that schools are like, well, if we just pay the coach, we can lower our budget a little bit and we can still have a legitimate like feel to our lacrosse well, program. You know, Adam Marshall was there and they they decided they were going like Coach Rapkin was at Dominican College in New York and he he went to grand canyon knowing full well it was an mcla program it wasn't like he got there and it was division Mm -hmm. two and then they transition out i think you know he got there a couple years after um you know and i mean it was really hard for them because at that time you know there was no um you know um, westminster was still mcla um there was still a tough time to be d2 out in the the west so yeah you know you didn't have the colorado schools so unlikely to happen again but let's let's hope that doesn't happen all right next up if anybody was paying attention to Twitter yesterday or, you know, it's kind of it was opening night for football, 
I mean, I enjoyed that Minnesota Ohio State game for three quarters of it at least. Yeah, but just, it was hard more. hard Gene. to ignore Jared Bernhardt. So about two and a half hours from where I live, he's playing D two ball again. This time gets to be on the field because if you don't remember, he was at Ferris State and then transferred back to Maryland. You know, to casually win the Twarton and also make it to the national championship. But he had his debut. Hasn't played organized football in a game for quite a few years, and he won the starting spot for quarterback for the Fair State Bulldogs, which is a D2 team in the GLIAC. He ends up going 12 for 14 for 218 yards, three TDs and a pick. That's through the air. And he rushes for 120 yards and four TDs, <clears throat> meaning he accounted for seven touchdowns in his first college football game. So basically he was a video game. <laughs> he, basically he was playing Madden on easy, NCAA football 14 on easy, and he just kind of had his way. Um, and seeing the highlights, man, it was um, – yeah, and we he talked was about athletically this dominant. Yeah, he, you know, you he just compared to the people he were he was playing. Um, you could tell this guy was in a Big Ten um, strength and conditioning program for four or five years. Like it, it wasn't even fair. Um, you know, he got to the corner and he was yeah, no one was catching him. I, I, I mean, you know, it's early and you know it was the first game of the season and I don't know. And how, let's face how it, Finley, the team that they played is not like exceptional. They're not ranked or anything, but still. You know, like, and I don't, and I don't know how how great they are, but I mean, one would like to think that if he continues on this trajectory, you know, he's gonna be in the consideration for you know some postseason honors in football, considering the fact that he hasn't played football in probably five to six years. Well, and here's the thing: it, for those that really don't know, Fair State is you know a considerable D two team. They're a legit okay. team. Yeah, they they are in the hunt. So. You know, this is the same conference with with Grand Valley and Saginaw Valley, which continuously play for national yeah. championships. So it was really cool to see, like on Twitter, just how um, you know, like you saw the picture of his brother um, and Coach Tillman, obviously in the Maryland office, wearing their Ferris State um, football shirts and posting yeah. pictures of it. Um, you know, it's just a really cool thing, um, and, and it speaks volumes to to who those guys are as people and how supportive they are of their alumni. Um, mm -hmm. But it was awesome. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of following this throughout the course of uh, of the season. And you know, I made the joke yesterday, and yeah. it was an in, and it was an inappropriate joke, and I'm not going <laughs> to repeat it on air. But you know, um, John uh, John Harbaugh and Bill Belichick are probably holed up in a room somewhere, just just waiting for uh, for a late round pick in the uh, oh, yeah. NFL draft if he keeps uh, keeps this up or as an absolutely three, absolutely they're probably telling him don't go to pro days yeah like we're one of us is going to take you That's well and guess what like they know that his family's tied to the NFL I mean oh yeah his, his late father um, what, the Houston was, Texans was with the Houston Texans and um, you know. People probably know, you know, they're he, they if, know if the he, name. Yeah, if he continues on, he'll be on some people's radars. Okay, well, that, incredible to watch. We'll we'll keep watching that throughout the season, and we'll we'll keep retweeting stuff like that. You know, their next game will be, you know, next weekend, and uh, they're they're playing Ashland. So uh, all these schools that you're very familiar with as well. So yeah, dude, we'll, D two baby, D two. We'll D2. see how it goes. All D2 right, Midwest. and then. Some Ohio. negative stuff. So we, we've known about this for a while. Hartford decided as a university to go Division three from Division one. And while I do think eventually that they will have a very competitive D3 lacrosse team because of the fact that 
they have essentially D1 high mid mid to high level D1 facilities. I think in the meantime, this is a really sad story because they're down to they, they withdrew from the American East season. And they're down to 15 players left on campus because everybody else transferred out to presumably other D1s or even just other places where they just mm-hmm. want a fresh start. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to try and keep it um, as PG as possible. But University of Hartford, you did a horseshit job of uh, supporting your students, your student athletes. The way this whole transition or announcement to transition to Division Three. Um, was poorly done. Your president is a coward. Um, and it's an absolute joke how um, this all transpired. Um, and, you know, kudos to those guys. Um, you know, Coach Martin is a phenomenal coach. He's a great dude. Um, I feel for him. Um, I feel for that program um, because it is a storied program. It's a program that had, um, you know, when you think of the University of Hartford, you think of great players like Tracy Kaluski. You think of, um, uh, you think of Blackjack McGetrick, um, you know, it's uh, it's a program that has had a lot of tradition in, in the Division One side. Um, and it's just sad to see kind of how these things have transpired based on the fact that some some cowards in a back room decided to um, do it this way. I agree with you down the line. I think University of Hartford is going to be a really strong Division Three program. Uh, but the way this happened and the rollout of this um, – I'm surprised that this isn't going to happen to more programs within their athletic department. I know that I I was reading some tweets from their basketball coach that um, those guys collectively decided that they're going to stay on and, 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 and give it their all um, with the time that they have left together, which I think is phenomenal. But, um, you know, I think it's ridiculous and good for those guys that were at Hartford, you know, and, and I think had they approached this a different way as an institution, you know, some of those guys that decided to leave might have stayed. Um, but because of the way it transpired, because of the way things happened, um, you know, those guys felt like, you know, they didn't have the backing of the institution and they decided to look elsewhere. Some of those guys are going to end up on Division One rosters. Some of those guys are on Division Three rosters. But you hit the nail on the head. They needed a fresh start. I really feel for a guy like Coach Martin. I feel for, you know, I commend the guys that are staying, um, but I can't blame the guys that are leaving. You know, this is on the university. Yeah, I think it's. I uh, think more I think, will leave before the transition officially takes place in yeah. 2022. I, I, I th- think the easiest way to avoid all of this was to have a slightly more drawn out plan of three to four years. Yep. And that way anybody coming in would know that this is the situation instead of blindsiding three quarters of your team. Well, and and doing it in an email to a professor that got out to uh, to the public. Um, I mean, there are schools in Division Two that have scaled back from Division Two to Division Three. You see that all the time. Um, there's a, there was a better way to do this. Um, yeah, I mean, and, at, at the end of the day, it's a business decision, and it's probably what's best for Hartford long term. But in the short term, they couldn't have handled it much worse. Well, I understand, and you and listen, you you get it. Um, it's a business decision. Um, you know, there are people that make really shitty business decisions, like they make good business decisions, but they do it in a real shitty way. This was a real shitty way to do it. Agreed. All right. And then last but not least, it is semifinal weekend in the PLL. Woo-hoo! So let's quickly talk about these. We've got some boots on the ground who will be joining us on on uh, next week's show, which is actually transitioning from Friday to Tuesday. And we'll talk about that more in the future. But 
starting next week, all episodes will be on Tuesday release times instead of Friday. So Fantastic. that's a nice little nice little curveball at you. So we've got the chaos versus the Atlas, and I think I'm finally ready to just pick the pick chaos. The no, pick, oh. I'm finally ready to say, you know what? I'm here for it. Let's let's get chaotic. Let's 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 root for anarchy and uh, let's root for the chaos. I mean, I think the Atlas are still, I guess, the more consistent team. But I think it's hard to argue against the chaos in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That being said, I think the chaos, if they did win, would lose the championship because, like, that's just who they are. <laughs> yeah. But I am I'm firmly rooting for the chaos for the first time this year. Now, who do I? Th- I I'm rooting for the chaos. I want the chaos to win because, uh, you know, they've won me over with their style of play. They, they don't shy away from who they are. Um, I think if they can continue, you know, we talked about it last week with what they needed to do, and they did a really good job of it. I think they need to win week, the middle of the field. If they win the middle and, of the field, they win the game. And they made it chaotic, and, and they didn't let um, people settle into their offense and get into a rhythm. If yeah. they can do that this week. I think it's. I think it's going to be. Um, I think it's going to be. Uh, yeah. A good and Trevor Baptiste is a is a better. You know. Yeah, he's a better faceoff guy. I mean, this is I, not. I, this is not yeah. the Archers faceoff unit. This is it, this exactly is Baptiste. Right. However, he's still been known, a lot like Connor Farrell, to he's he's better at it, way better at it, yeah. at winning the clamp and then actually making a pass. But he's also been known if you put a lot of pressure on him really, really quickly after the clamp. He's been known to throw the ball away a little bit or lose the ball in transition. So, again, like like you've said, like I've said, if the chaos can make it chaotic, especially out the faceoff, you know that that's how they're going to be in this game. I because really- once they get rolling and they hit one two bomb and they hit a couple singles, they are really hard to slow down. Yeah, you can't stop them, and and they do a really good job of swallowing teams up in terms of their energy, like they yeah. can suck the energy right out of a game. Um, and, and it starts with, with towers, man. I mean, you're just not going to out motivate a team like that. Um, you know, um, especially Ben Rubior. Um, um, I would, I, I would be really surprised. I'd love to see it get down to be a really cl- close game and, and kind of see what kind of chops they have on the Atlas side. I mean, we know that they have phenomenal players, but you know, if this comes down to a one goal game, it really could be anybody's game, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't really want to listen to an Atlas speech if they're down a couple of goals at the end of the game. It's just, it's like paint drying. It's going to be like Homer Simpson uh, disappearing into the bushes. <laughs> Ten man. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten man. Ten man. <laughs> yeah, we should do that. Should do All right. Too. Water dogs, whip snakes. This is so this is the one, man. You got Sours back. Yep, you do. You, you sure do. Back. Snyder's back. Um, so this is going to be interesting, man. I, I don't. I honestly don't. I have to go. I have to go with the whips. Why do you have and to here, go with the whips? And here's why. I don't think the water dogs know what to do in this situation. I think they're really, really good. I think the week off might have hurt the, the the two weeks off might have hurt them, three weeks off, whatever it's been now since they played last. They haven't played since before August 20th. Well, do you know that they've only played three games in the since uh I think August first? Yeah, you I don't know, know if that helps or hurts them because uh, yeah. they can't I, build a rhythm, but you know 
a lot of people in the PLL don't play every week. Like everybody doesn't play every week. So I know. Um, um, <laughs> I mean, based on, you know, and, and, and with Sours back, like I, I just, That's you know, a lot I don't of change. Know. Like it's it could be good. It could be good, but, but it could be, you know, and, and, and it's not like, I, I would say one thing, like you're not talking about like football and, and here's the thing. A lot of times who's the team that usually gets upset in the NFL playoffs. It's the team that has the buy. Um, mm-hmm. Um, but even then, like those guys are practicing it every day. They might get a few more extra days off yeah, during yeah. the bye week, but, the but like the whips know how to win. Aren't practicing, yeah. The whips know how to win when it matters. Yeah. Like if Rambo and Zed are healthy enough, and Nardella's taking faceoffs now. If there's anybody that the chaos should go after, and I think that they would definitely want this guy, it would be Withers because that he plays their style. Of face, yeah, like, that's he's perfect for that. He's perfect. For but that. that being said, I mean Withers will hold his own, but I think Nardella will if he, if he can really zone in and be the guy that we've seen in every single championship run. I, I think that will be the game changer because that is the guy in this league that I think not only can win the faceoff to himself, but then can also consistently get it down to the offense or score mm-hmm. uh, more than anybody else. There's other people that are good at it. You know, TD can do it sometimes, but I think Nards is the best at it. Yeah. That being said, the the real thing for me will be that that whip snakes D, which is good against that water dogs attack which we don't know what it'll look like now because it'll have a slightly new look yeah because sours hasn't played in like two months yeah so who's your pick i'm gonna go water dogs okay all right i'm just gonna go with it i'm gonna ride it because you want to know why um I just, you know, I like their game. I say this, but then I also wrote about the fact that, you know, it could go really bad because they had that extra week off. And it seems like, you know. It's a tough call, man. Yeah, this it, game it is really tough. Is. I want to know the spread is, but I'm not going to look it up right now. But I'm and sure then, it's close. And then guess what? After uh, after this game, then we get another two weeks and then we'll, we'll get our championship in the, uh, in the, you know, September 19th. At least, you know, it's smart that they're doing these on Sundays because, yeah. you know college football is kind of king for the next couple weekends. Oh, you can't. You can't mess it up. Either way, both those games are going to be on NBCSN or Peacock starting at 11 a.m. on Sunday Eastern time and followed up by 1.30 Eastern time. And let's just hope that Philly's got good weather because I can't sit through another rain delay this year. No, let's get it done. I think um, (laughs) I think the weather actually looks good. I know, uh, you know, our thoughts go out to the people on the east coast that are dealing with the um the flooding and the rain and all and everything all the weather yeah it's just uh it's unfortunate it's 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 that part that time of the year where the gulf florida everything everybody on the on the east coast is getting pounded with bad weather so just you know um let's just hope we can get a nice day in absolutely and last thing i mean i just see this tweet come across the the old twitter Marty Ward, congrats to Marty Ward and the U.S. Virgin Islands national team because they just got their first ever win over Puerto Rico, 17 to 13. So congrats to Marty and the team. And uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how high that team can go, man. That's awesome. Congratulations to those guys. Coach Ward's doing a great job and and those guys do uh, do a wonderful job, man. Fantastic. All right. Enjoy the PLL. Enjoy college football and uh, enjoy Labor Day weekend. We'll see you all next Tuesday. Have a good one, bud. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe, give us a review, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Going Offsides.